Let's turn to First Chronicles, <clears throat> chapter twelve tonight. <clears throat> and we're going to look a little bit more at some of David's mighty men. Kind of took a glance at him last week, and we're going to do it again this week. We're going to start in verse one. It says now these were the men <clears throat> who came to David at Ziglag while he was still a fugitive from Saul, and son, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers in the war, armed with bows, using both the right and the left, and hurling stones and shooting arrows with a bow. They were of Benjamin, uh, Saul's brethren. So we see some people who have def- uh, defected from Saul's army and came over to join the winning side in David. So they're coming to join him. We see, we talk about David's time in Ziglag, which a little later in the sermon, we're going to talk a little bit about his time in Ziglag and what they went through there. But we see the mighty men coming together, and these mighty men were starting to turn into an army. It wasn't just a little small group anymore, as we'll start reading through <clears throat> all the different uh, people who were involved in this, leading up to David actually being crowned king of Israel, and everyone finally accepting that point. But during time, David's time at Ziglag, there were certain mighty warriors that expressed allegiance to David. And we've just seen that here with these, uh, these defectants coming from Saul. And we'll notice that happening quite a bit throughout this chapter that these people would come from Saul's army to come to him. And one of the reasons that they would do that is because they knew that God was with David. They knew what Samuel had already prophesied and, and, and that he had already been anointed king at a young age. And they knew what the prophet had already spoke about. And they knew that ultimately Saul would not win out in this. And that David would become the king because this was God's will. That he would become king. So they finally, you can say, seen the light and came to the right side. And they were going to serve with David. Now I'm looking at this and and they came over to the right side, which was God's side in a sense. And I'm pretty sure they were talked about. On the other side, oh, these guys are going to, to, to David. They're no good anyway. We don't need them, what have you. But how many times in our life have we had to choose them between God's will and maybe our own will or God's will in our family? And, 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 and the scorn that we will get from our family if we choose to go God's side. Being raised here, being raised Catholic, I may not have faced that much persecution with it, but there's there's a there's a hint of it there dealing with my family uh becoming a born again christian and 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 i guess you could say renouncing the catholic faith has put a strain on myself and and my family it's there it's kind of unspoken but it's there you know it's there you can feel the tension from it and uh that's what we have to do as believers there's times you're going to have to take a hard stance on on what god's will is and who god is and our belief in god and go against our own families, our own friends, our own loved ones. And we see in, in Luke 14, 26, he tells us, is a comparison to our love for Christ. And, and it goes on to read, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. So there's a line in the sand that we, we're all going to have to draw one day. Are we going to follow the will of God? Are we going to, are we going to follow God and what he has for our lives? Or are we going to 
whimper back and, and just, you know, try to make everything okay. Get along with everybody. It's not going to work that way. And obviously, Christ isn't telling us to go out and hate my dad and just forsake my dad. Because in other scripture, he tells us to love our, our, our enemies, to love our families, to, to be a person, a man and woman of love, to love our neighbors. So he was just using that in comparison, that, that Christ over everything. Christ needs to be number one in your life. Then everything else becomes secondary. I was told one time, it's, it's God, family, then country. And that's the order I believe we, we need to live our lives. God comes first. God comes before my wife, before my children. And that's hard to swallow sometimes. There's been marriages where people have been born again. A husband or wife has been born again, and that husband or, the other husband or wife is not. And they may have to, have to tread lightly or, or maybe end up walking away from that marriage for the simple fact that they will not come to Christ. So this, this commitment and this devotion to Christ is real. We need to make sure that our allegiance lies with Christ and does not lie with the enemy. And we see these people coming over to David, putting their allegiance in David because they knew that that was the God's will, that he was going to become the next king. And they knew that, that he was on the right side of things. Then in, in chapter, in, I'm sorry, chapter, verse 2, it talks about these guys using both right and left hand. There's a couple of us in here might be left-handed. So we're all in, we're all in the right place. Left-handed people are good, too. But uh, it was interesting that these, these guys would be able to go to warfare with both hands. That takes a lot of skill. There's a few things I can do with my, my right hand. Majority, it's, it's all with my left. So just, I thought that was, that was kind of cool the way they put that in there, just showing how they were able to go to warfare with both these hands. Uh, in verse 3, it goes on to say, The chief was Ahazer, then Joash, the son of Shema'ah, the Gibeathite. Jezel and Pellet and son of Asmaveth and Borkah, and Jehu the Anthrothite. Ashmaiah the Gibeonite, a mighty man among the thirty, and over the thirty, Jeremiah, Jehazel, Johanan, Josabad, the Gedorothite, El Uzol, Jeremoth, Beliah, Shemara, and Shephatah. Shephatiah, okay, I messed that one up. The uh, Hepharite, Elkanah, Elkanah, Josiah, Azarel, Joser, and Joshobim. The Kirite, and Joliah, and uh, Jebediah, the sons of Jerohang of Geber. Sons of some Gedites joined David as a stronghold in the wilderness. Uh, mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who, had, who, who could handle shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. Ezer, the first, uh, the first Ebediah, the second, Eliab, the third, Mishmanah, the fourth, Jeremiah, the fifth, Atai, the sixth, Eliel, the seventh, Johanan the eighth, El Zabab the ninth, Jeremiah the tenth, Macbani the eleventh. These were the sons of Gad, captains of the army, and in the least uh, was over a hundred, and the greatest was over a thousand. 
These are the ones who crossed into Jordan in the first month, that's around March or April, when it had overflowed all its banks. And they put, the, uh, they put to flight all those in the valleys to the east and to the west. And then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. So we see all these men coming to David to start forming this army, all these mighty men that came. It said some of them were in charge of 30, some of them the hundreds of thousands. And then the army is broken down. We have platoons, could be anywhere, anywhere up to 40 people. You have your companies, you have your battalions, you have your brigades. So it's kind of the same, same idea they're having here. The Roman centuries used to, uh, used to have about 100 soldiers in it. So it's kind of using that same concept of breaking these soldiers up to be able to maintain them. And in verse 8 it says, Some Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, men trained for battle who, would ha- uh, who could handle the shield and the spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. Now these are probably some pretty rugged, rough characters here. And they probably had long hair and a beard looking like a lion. These were some men, men. Right here. And these mighty men of valor is trained for battle. This is probably like the special forces of the day. Your Navy SEALs going into battle. And these are mighty men of valor. They were men of courage and of a warrior spirit. I think us as Christians, this is, we're, we're in a battle every day. This is warfare we're facing every day with the enemy in this world we're living in. We, fa- we face a warfare with ourselves every day and our own uh, lustful desires and sinful desires. So we're constantly in battle. And I think we need to have that warrior spirit within us. Have that spirit of David that, yes, he was, he was a kind and he was gentle. And he was, I call him a warrior poet because he wrote all these psalms. But yet he was a mighty warrior. He would take up the sword and go to war and go to battle for the Lord. And I think we need to have that same spirit within us, that warrior spirit. These men were trained for battle. They were men who patiently received the training they needed to become mighty warriors. And if uh, and, and I go back to my military experience and basic training, you go through these weeks and weeks of training. It's not like you sign up and you can just do everything you need to do. And throughout my career while I was in, you constantly train, constantly training, sharpening your skills, getting yourself ready for battle and whatever your job was when y'all would go to war, go into combat. So you would constantly do it. And I think we need to train patiently every day ourselves, reading the word, getting into prayer, acting out our lives as believers, and working on behalf of Christ and doing what his will is for us. He tells us to go out into all the world and make disciples, right? That's one of our, one of our commands. It's not, it's not, hey, maybe you should go do this. It's a command that our Savior, our main general, is given out to us. So we need to go out and perform those actions that he's telling us to do. And one way is training in the word, training in prayer, getting, it, getting those weapons deep down within us to when that time it does come for battle, we're ready to go to war with it. And we see these men training patiently for that. It says, who could hold the shield and the spear? They were men who were skilled in the use of their essential weapons, both offensively and defensively. And we need to think about that today as well. We need to be trained with our weapons of war. We talked about last week about one of the weapons that are given is prayer. The other weapon that is given to us is our sword or our, the word of God. And we've got to be able to train and be proficient in that. And it says here that it can be offensively and defensively. 
So offensively is going out, spreading the gospel, telling the good news to, to people, praying for people, and being on the offense. And then being on the defensive side of things is being able to defend the faith we have. Because many people are going to come towards us and attack us for our faith. We've got to be able to stand our ground and stand on the word and stand on that solid rock to be able to defend our faith as well. So that's where getting into our word and getting it deep into our heart comes in so when that battle comes, we can both offensively and defensively use this weapon. Because this is what this is. This is a, this is a sword. This is our sword. This is our word of God. And this is where our weapon is. And then we talk back about their faces again, that they were looking like faces like lions. They probably had a calm demeanor and they had a confidence probably in God to go out and perform their battles. Is that, is that, that old saying that says, never let them see you sweat? I bet that's how they were. They, they, they were cool and calm, but when they got into battle, they were fierce. And they were probably feared by their enemy as well. Uh, we had one commentator said, and undaunted, fierce, and terrible to their enemies, they durst look like death itself in the face upon great adventures in the field. So they would look at the faith, they would go into the face of death. They were not scared of it. And it said they were swift as gazelles on the mountains. I'll talk about it just a while ago, that they were like the, the Navy SEALs or the Special Forces. They were quick to react and they were quick and mobile to be able to take care of their enemies. And it always goes back to our training, having this word buried deep in our, in our hearts to be able to, to respond quickly whenever these attacks from the enemy or these people come to us. We'll be able to res- respond with Scripture. When Christ was taken into the, into the wilderness and, and fasted for those 40 days, he, how did he go against the enemy? He went back with them with the word. He, 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 the enemy would say something to him out of context, and he would come back with the word. And so we've got to be able to have this word at our, at our disposal as well. It says, Spurgeon said that the grace of God can make us like them, like those men. The grace of God can make us brave as lions so that wherever we are, we can hold our own or rather can hold our Lord's truth and never blush, nor be ashamed to speak a good word for him at all times. Constantly be ready to be able to, to defend our faith. He says he can, he can take us quick and active too, so that we shall be like the uh, rose upon the mountain. That we'll be able to respond quickly with his word. Then it talks about them uh, being able to cross uh, the Jordan River whenever it started to overflow. They think that this is probably in the month of Nisan, as around March, April-ish time, where they would start to have these floodings would come in. But it was dangerous to get across because of that current that would flow. But they would do whatever they could to get to David to be on David's side. They would, they would, they would face that danger to be able to be on the side of God. We, too, need to be, on, be able to face the dangers that are to come to be on the side of God. And I, and, I'm, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think the future is, is going to be a little dark <laughs> coming up, you know. I don't think they're going to get any, any better. So we have to be, be able to get through those dark times and, 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 and what's going to be coming ahead and be able to face that danger, knowing that God has our back and that our confidence is put in God and not man. All right, in verse 16, as we move on, it says, Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to David at a stronghold. 
And David went out to meet them and answered and said, well, you know what? Let me back up. Let's turn to uh, 1 Samuel 30. Then we'll, we'll go on from there. 1 Samuel 30. Because I wanted to talk a little bit about David and his men in Ziglag and, and, and what they went through there. <clears throat> We're going to read verses 1 through 8. So 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 8. It says, Now it happened when David on the third uh, when, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, uh, the south in Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men <clears throat> came to the city and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Now let's think about that. These are the mighty men of God. These are the warriors that are going into battle. And, when you, and they just talked about them having faces like lions. They were fierce men. But yet they are going to weep until they had no more power. Because their loved ones were taken. Their children were taken, their wives, their family members were taken. And David's uh, two wives, Anahom uh, and the, uh, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. So David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of, uh, of stoning him. So they were upset. In the spur of the moment, in the heat of the battle, they're upset with David. Because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his, own, uh, his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to uh, Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech, the son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troops? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. A couple things that I'm looking through here. Um, and he talks about that they, they went in and they burned it with fire. Smell brings back a lot of memories. And I'm pretty sure from this day on, any time they would smell that burning fire, they would think to that day. I know there's smells I may smell around here sometime that I remember smelling in Iraq, and it will bring back certain memories. And, and, and so smell has a, a, a connection to our memory. And I'm pretty sure David never forgot this day. And many of us have not forgotten days that have been tough on us as well. Sometimes that's the thing that keeps us going is those tough days. And then it, it goes on to talk about what David did. That David strengthened himself in the Lord. This, this had to be one of the worst days that David had ever faced in his life. His mighty men are upset with him right now. And rightfully so. They go off to battle and they come back and their women and children are all taken away. This is not a good situation to be in. But David had, had the, the, the sense to go and strengthen himself in the Lord. How many of us, whenever we're in a hard situation, that might be the last thing we think about sometimes. 
we're thinking about woe is me and how sad this situation is. When we really need to get to the Lord to be strengthened. And he'll supernaturally strengthen you and get you where to be. Is it wrong to grieve? No, it's not. But when we're in our grieving process, we need to seek the Lord and seek his strengthening. Another thing on here I'm looking at, too, is this is mighty men. That, yeah, at first they're going to get upset, but these mighty men remain loyal to David. They go through this hard time, and as we continue to read about his mighty men, they stay loyal to him. And that's a rarity in today's today and age, to have people who remain loyal to anything. Whether it's loyalty to a marriage, whether it's loyalty to a job, or a job being loyal to his employees, loyal to family, loyal to whatever it may be, that's a very rare thing. And it's sneaking into, into the Christian faith as well. So many people say they're loyal to God until that hard time hits. Or something doesn't sound right from the pulpit. So we need to have that loyalty that these men have. Our loyalty, like we talked earlier, needs to be in God. And we need to put him first above all. And we see the loyalty that they had here with David. So we can turn back to First Chronicles 12. And we're going to start with verse 16. <clears throat> All right. And it says, Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. And David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, If you have come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united with you. But if you betray me to my enemies, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers Look and bring judgment. And then the spirit came, uh, came upon Amasi and the chief of the captains, and he said, We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. So David received them and made them captains of the troops. And some from Manasseh defected to David when he was going with the Philistines to battle against Saul. But they did not help them, for the Lord, uh, Lord of the Philistines sent him away by uh, agreement, saying, He made effect to his master Saul and endanger our heads. When he went to Ziglag, those of Manasseh who uh, defected to him were Adnah, Josabab, Jadiel, Michael, Josabab, Elihu and Zilthi, captains of a thousand who were from Manasseh. And they helped David against the band of raiders, and they were all mighty men of valor, and they were captains in the army. For at that time they came to David day by day to help him until it was a great army, like the army of God. So we continue to see these men defecting from Saul coming to David. And then we see here, remember, David would live with the Philistines for, for a while. And he was going to go to battle with them against Saul. But the, the king of the Philistines, you know, got some advice not to send David into battle because he may end up turning on them. And this battle, uh, from what I can understand, was the battle where Saul actually died. So they didn't want to send him in. They thought that David may turn back to him. But they ended up not being the case. So we see here that these men came who were Benjamin, from Benjamin to come over to, to his side, and David kind of tested them. 
hey, if you're going to be with me, then my heart's going to be with you. But if not, we're going to let God be the judge. He let God be the judge on this. He let God be the judge of the heart and the character of those men. And uh, often we're quick to judge people and their character and their heart, and we really don't know. We really, we really can't discern that. But God is definitely a discerner of, of men, and we see him doing that here. It says, how great, I say how grateful I am that I can rest in God and his judgments about other men. God, could, God is the only one that can see the heart of men. We, we cannot see the heart of men. And we see David leaving that up to God right here. Then it talks about Amasi and that the spirit fell on him. That the spirit came upon him or the spirit clothed him and covered him. There's a view of the Holy Spirit working in the Old Testament right here. And this has been used two other times in Judges 6.34 and in 2 Chronicles 34.20. We'll see this same phrase again. But I have no doubt that when Jesus was talking about this in Luke 24.49, that we were to be closed with the power of the Most High, that his Holy Spirit was to come upon us and to give us guidance and to give us, give us leadership. And we see the Holy Spirit being used here. And they came over also knowing that God was helping David. It seems to be a repeating pattern in this, this chapter that they knew that God was with David and that God was doing a work in David and that David was going to fulfill the will of God and they would come over to him. And also under the hand of God and his servant David, these mighty men who began to be disaffected people were nowhere else to go. They didn't have nowhere else to go after they left Saul. Where were they going to go? So they would come to, to David, and they developed into this amazing force. David and his mighty men needed each other, and they were nothing without each other. If they were spread out separate and did not come together, they, they, would, they would not survive. And moving on to verse 23. Now, between verses 22 and 23, Saul dies, and his kingdom is transferred over to David. Uh, remember, for almost six years, there almost this civil war between Saul and, and, and the, the rebellion with David. Uh, so we see that here. Now we're going to get into verse 23 as we see David's army at Hebron. It says, Now these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. Of the sons of Judah bearing shields and spears, 6,800 armed for war. Of the sons of Simeon, mighty men of valor, fit for war, 7,100. Of the sons of Levi, 4,600. Jehoiada, the leader of the uh, Aaronites, and with him, 3,700. Zadok, a young man, a valiant warrior, and from his father's house, 22 captains. Of the sons of Benjamin, relatives of Saul, 3,000. Until, uh, until then, the great, uh, greatest part of them had remained loyal to the house of Saul. Of the sons of Ephraim, 20,800 mighty men of valor, famous men throughout uh, their father's house. Of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 who were designated by name to come and make David king. 
of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were, uh, were at their command. Of Zebulun, there were 50,000 who went out to battle, expert in war with all weapons of war, stout-hearted men who could keep ranks. Of Naphtali, 1,000 captains, and, when the, and, when, and with them, 37,000 with shields and spear. And the Danites, who could keep battle formations, 28,600. Of Asher, those who could go out to war, able to uh, keep battle formations, 40,000. Of the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, from the other side of the Jordan, 120,000 armed for battle with every kind of weapon of war. That is a lot of uh, warriors to go out in battle. He had, David had collected quite an army from all these different tribes. And you see, they noticed the Levi's and all, uh, was in there as well. Now, they didn't own any land or anything, but that didn't mean they couldn't go to war. They were still able to go and do that. So we see their names missing, mission here. Then we see the sons of Ishakar, who had understanding of the times. These were men, they supported Saul up to this point. They continued their mission with Saul, and then once a new king came on, they gave their allegiance to the new king. But they were men of understanding of the time. They showed, they had a, had a sense of wisdom about them. And us as believers, we, we know what's going on in this day and age. We understand the, the signs of the times as well. And we need to be that, 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 that person that's able to discern for others and let them know, hey, this world's not going to get any better. You need to turn to Christ, who is the true king. Just like these guys turned from Saul when that time came and turned to David, we too need to make sure we give that message out to everyone, our friends, our family, turn to Christ. He is the true king. We know the signs of the times. We know where we're living at today. And then in verse 33, it talks about Zebulun and that they were stout-hearted. That means that they were of a single heart. In James 1.8, it tells us why, that he who is double-minded, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. They were not double-minded. Their heart was with, was with David and for David and for God, and our hearts need to be with God. We don't need to be double-minded in our ways, letting the waves toss us back and forth. But we need to be of one heart and one mind when it comes to God. And we see these guys were exactly that. F.B. Myers said, Too many like to break the ranks and do God's work independently. Fifty men who act together will, be, will do greater Execution than 500 acting apart. Unity is strength, and in their efforts to overthrow the king of Satan, it is most essential that the soldiers of Christ move in ranks and keep in step. We need to move as a body of Christ together in unity. Tighten up our ranks to where they can't bust through them, because in these times they would all get in ranks. We've all seen the movies where they line up and you see the sea of humanity on the battlefield. 
and they're going to go against each other to try and bust each other's ranks open to get the battle and to have them to flee because it's hard to throw an arrow when you're running away from somebody. So once you would bust those ranks, you'd be able to get the victory over, over whoever it may be. But if you had those ranks tight and they couldn't bust through, they couldn't get the victory. And us as believers need to have that unity to come together and, and, to, and to back each other and to pray for each other and give encouraging words to each other and, and for our ranks do not break. There's such a divide in the body of Christ. You know, I would love it to all be back together, one single file line and one rank, but we've got to do our best when it comes to that. Verse 38, it says, All these men of war who could keep ranks came to Hebron with a loyal heart to make David king over Israel, and all the rest of Israel were of one mind to make David king. And they were with David three days, eating and drinking, for their brethren had uh, prepared for them. Moreover, those who were near to them from afar away as Issachar and Zebulon and Nephetali were bringing food uh, on donkeys and camels and mules and oxen, provision of flour and cakes of figs and cakes of raisin, wine and oil and oxen and sheep abundantly, for there was joy in Israel. The nation of Israel was coming back together, reuniting together. No longer was this, this rift between Saul and David. David was now the king over all of Israel, and there was joy to be had. One day we're going to have that joy when our time is up and we're with the one true king and all is said and done and we're reunited with him. And we see the joy that they bring here. So when the son of David, Jesus Christ, comes back to rule and reign, every wrong will be made right, every question will be answered, every hurt will be healed, every problem will be forgotten. There will be true celebration at the coming and coronation of our king. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we uh, thank you for this word tonight. And we ask that our hearts would not be double-minded. And we ask that we would have stout hearts, Lord, for you. And that we would have a loyalty to you, Father. And that no matter what trials, what tribulations may come our way, that we would stand firm on your word and who you are. And that the spirit would strengthen us, Lord. And clothe us, Lord, to be able to stand firm for you, Father. Uh, We ask for the blessing over the people here today. We ask for your traveling mercies on the way home. And for those who are not here, we ask for blessings as well. In Jesus' name, amen.